Nandini Mansinka is the CEO of Mumbai Angels, which is a very popular platform for startup and early stage venture investments. More importantly, Nandini is one of the key architects of the startup investing ecosystem in India. She's truly passionate about democratizing investments in early stage startups and making this asset class an integral part of any meaningful investor portfolio and in that she is different from the bunch of investors keen on bloating valuations purely by pumping money into business models that don't make sense what also separates her from the bunch is that she happens to be a serial entrepreneur and an angel investor herself with more than a decade of experience she's bright she's a joy to chat with and in this episode i had the pleasure of sitting down with her and really digging deep into early stage venture investing and the nitty gritty of raising your first ever round of funding from an angel enjoy Hello hello welcome to the you incorporated podcast with me Sagar your friendly neighborhood part-time creator and full-time media nerd on this show i catch up with some of the most badass founders media mavericks and indie hackers in the whole wide world and we have some truly insightful chats on startups media and influence the stuff that gets left out of the media headlines whether you're in a corporate a startup you own a legacy brand a scrappy side hustle you only a student if you are keen to build your brand your voice your way you're in the right place here we go hey welcome to the show nandini thank you so much thank you for having me here you're speaking about how to be an angel investor what does it need to be an angel investor there are two things here one is mm-hmm. there is this term called startup and right. then there's a term called angel investor bad news is that both these terms are outdated okay okay so what we what these two terms i think actually evolved about 20 25 years back in the silicon valley right and if you see right. India as an economy has always been built by startups. So it's only been a function of who's actually funded them. So if right. you got funded by friends and family, somehow it's not being called a startup. Yeah. Today, if you look at where we are, and if there your question on saying, can you just start investing? Sure, you can, but you should first mm-hmm. understand what you're jumping in. Right. When you're okay. wanting to jump into this, you have to understand that this whole business of Shark Tank, whole business of economic mm. times. These are marketing tools. They don't tell you what is actually happening in the entire ecosystem and what does it require for you to actually do this. So, if you yeah. said, okay, what if I just look at it and saying, what are the four things that one needs to understand before saying, can I actually invest in startups? Okay, four very mm. critical things. First is to understand that this is an asset class. So this Got is it. not about unicorn hunting. This is not about going and finding that one 
company that's going to become a billion dollar valuation it is to understand that you are actually trying to find companies on a continuous basis which are mm-hmm. just trying to raise their first round of external money okay. got it so that that is what startup investing is all about and if you looked at the entire chain of companies which are not listed and you looked mm. at say i don't know i'll look say a flipkart at one mm. end which is just say just pre ipo okay And you look for drew a curve and said, "What is the thing happening at the other end?" That is startup investing, where you are right. going to put first fifty lakhs to two crores. Okay, so that's the fun. It's an asset class. It's an early mm-hmm. stage venture. So we nowadays actually call it early stage venture as an asset class. Mm-hmm. The minute you call something as an asset class, this is point two. You have to do two or three things there. One is you have to do a deliberate portfolio allocation. So you can't just one day get up and say, "I am interested. I like it. I will go." And most yeah. importantly, say, "I am going to find the winner." I have done this now yeah. for I think thirteen, fourteen years. I'm much less mm-hmm. confident today on if I'll be able to strike a winner than I was five years back. Okay, so mm. there is no concept of saying I will find that one winner. The like, concept is he is saying I am going to allocate specific money. Second, mm-hmm. I'm going to build a portfolio approach. So, if you look at the, right. if you look at the numbers of startups that prolific investors across the globe invest in, mm-hmm. their numbers are anywhere above fifty to sixty startups. Right. So that means you will have to invest when you're getting into this. So tomorrow, assuming you hit that lottery, okay, you yeah. have to say thirty to fifty startups minimum. Minimum. Mm. You have to mm. invest before you start. So that's point. Point three is to understand that this is an extremely risky asset class, which means right. that your money can go to zero. So you should only invest in this if you are mm-hmm. okay for your money to go to zero and you can sleep properly. If every day you sure. wake up and you say, "Oh my God, how much money have I invested in startups? Is it going to go down? Is it not good?" You don't have the risk appetite for it. Okay. Mm. And the fourth is. especially in india it's more relevant in india than other parts of the world is that it's an extremely illiquid asset class which means that right. you cannot decide when you want to get out you can't just say oh today i need the money can i just find a buyer there is minimal to zero secondary market in india for startups which right. means you can right. only get your money if somebody else is investing in your investment so these four roles if you understand and if you keep mm. playing by it in a very disciplined way mm. understanding the risks yes you can deploy the money you want in the lottery otherwise i mm. would recommend this asset class is not safe are there any legalities in place for the kind of people who can invest there are two ways one can invest right one is mm. just so assuming you just invest five friends got together and they started saying oh and we'll invest in startups then there is no requirement you can cut even a 5000 check if you want okay if however you are investing in say a platform like ours or se- several similar platforms what has mm. happened is that now sebi has gradually started saying that look you have to invest via what are called angel funds so you can no longer invest directly say for example our platform you can no longer dire- invest directly in a company you have to come via the angel fund there the regulation from sebi is it's twofold 
One mm. is you have to commit a minimum of 25 lakhs to be invested mm. over five years. So five okay. years. So basically, they've done a back math and said five lakhs per annum or so. And then the second is you have to do a declaration of one an income declaration where you need mm-hmm. to show you have a net worth of two crores individual net worth. So this is not family net worth or anything, and this has to exclude the residence that you live in. Okay. And you have to. So that's these are the two specific numerical or economic criteria. The third mm-hmm. is they are actually SEBI is trying to put together some kind of a skill or understanding of risk criteria you know, where you have to. Self certify one of the three things. One is that you are a founder yourself. B, you have invested in startups before, or C, you are you have ten years plus work experience. Got it. I can either invest whatever token amount I want if I am doing that in a personal capacity, or if I go via something like a. India Angel Network, Mumbai Angel Network. I have to follow these conditions. Some platforms also allow you to do both. So you could also, if you are investing larger ticket sizes, you could mm-hmm. be investing directly on the cap table also. Whereas platforms like ours are only through the angels. What sort of people does that lead us to in terms of the kind of people who generally invest in these sorts of ventures? Are they exclusively founders and CEOs of companies or do you also see other profiles of people who invest in startups via your fund? So one is uh, when you invest via angel fund like say assuming mm-hmm. like ours or any other platform you actually don't need to commit so much of money that's one of the advantages so for example mm-hmm. in our platform there are several times you can invest as low as a lakh max that we will put a ceiling is 5 lakhs so in, in a deal etc. So you're actually what you're required to do is to actually have say investable corpus of like I said minimum of 25 lakhs to 50 lakhs. So you can start your journey right. at that number. So you can start mm. your journey at that number. Is that the right number? I don't think so. I think you should have a minimum ability to invest like I mentioned 50 lakhs which you can lose and not worry about. So it's that's a very critical right. piece to understand really. So you're not so you're not looking hmm. at people who have a minimum investable corpus of 20, uh, 10 to 12 crores. You're actually looking at somebody who has a minimum investable corpus of 25 lakhs onwards, right? So that that's number one. Now, right. if I look at my data and say what kind of people are actually investing, and uh, it's basically see till about say a couple of years back, I would say that the majority hmm. of people who were investing with us were entrepreneurs. And I actually like to club entrepreneurs right. as not just new age entrepreneurs, but anybody who has been running their own business. This term mm. entrepreneur is a new term. India is, yeah. we are a country of entrepreneurs of several generations. Yeah. So if I look at that card, it was an entrepreneur focused investor base. Either it's the first generation who was in their 70s and 80s, or it's their second generation in their 50s or 60s. Or 40s to 50s. And then there was this third generation, which was a lot of times not interested in the family business. And then they were right. actually to set up a family office with a couple of hundred of crores and they would be able to do this. So that was the right. breakup of investors for, I would say, at least say five years back. Now we have seen two very interesting new hopes come in. One is this whole new age entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur who just sold their business. They are now saying that 
apart from trying to set up something else, I also want to build this whole ability to invest in startups. Yeah. And then there is this whole professional investor base that has started coming in, which is the CXOs, people who have worked for, say, 10 years of their life. And now they want to not just invest, but also find if they can actively contribute to the startup that they're investing. So that's the other very good mix that has started coming up. And of course, there are now these larger ticket size family offices who are mm. actually wanting to build portfolios of their own. And increasingly, we started seeing that in family offices, no, there are separate desks or separate teams just looking at early stage venture as an asset. Got it. I think more than saying which stage should you invest, you have to first ensure that you don't start your journey all by yourself. You have to become a part of a platform. And like I said, it's not a plug about us, but just generally, whichever mm -hmm. platform is thing, because I keep saying that startup investing is a craft. It's a lifelong craft. So, like for example, if you ask me and saying, fast forward, I'm 90 years old. I don't know what else I'll be doing, but I'll still be investing in startups. And right. that requires you to continuously keep upgrading this as a craft. And that you cannot do in isolation. So, you need to be able to see A, a very strong deal flow. And B, you need to be in company of people who do this regularly and who understand. So that's number one. Right? Hmm. The second is that you need to be able to start identifying what is your risk appetite. Because what you need to know is that the earlier you will invest in, higher hmm. are the chances that you know the company will fail or the startup will fail. Hmm. So you need to, like say for example, if you look at say us, we do right from seed funding till hmm. say CDs will take bites of series B. I'm not a big fan of series names and all because I think it's all got blurred by now. Yeah. But still, I would say that, okay, we are doing, let's just say we are doing 50 lakhs to smaller bites of a 30 crore, 50 crore round. Now, you as an investor will need to, over a period of time, understand where my skill set lies and where my comfort level lies mm. on the risk opportunity matrix Got it. Is there a skill set really that I need to have? Absolutely. I think a couple of things. Mm -hmm. One is you should have a knack to see the potential of a company and not just say that I want all the answers. That's a very right. that's a very critical one. You said balance sheets, numbers. I actually think that's not such a big skill required. Mm. So like, for example, I was an investment banker in my earlier avatar. So there I could only operate if there is an Excel sheet. Right. So only numbers, only comparisons, valuation meant DCF and yeah. all, if the Excel sheet doesn't exist, I don't exist. Yeah. Today, mm. it's a reverse. I will first start with looking at like at the founder hmm. and, f and my first question is okay what's your opportunity B why are you the best team to do it the founder market fit yes. so those questions come in hmm. and then why are you the best team to do it how is your conviction to actually go out there and do what you're promising to do why should I bet on you right those things come much before financial so that ability to 
or let's just say the excitement of being able to identify something just at its nascent stage is one key skill set the second one is it's a very tough one is to know that look you're actually going to bet on another person to build something out for you don't invest in a startup with the intention of trying to run it for them or trying yeah. to think that the startup founder needs to listen to me no the startup founder doesn't need to listen to you yeah you are not there to steer the company yeah. you are betting on somebody else to make money for you so yeah. that ability to distance yourself and not think you are the smartest one in the room yeah i think is a i think it's an experience journey right. for an investor and with that experience this thing also comes the skill to not want to be right all the time that's very hard given that you've put in your money into the venture yeah but you know that like i said it's we go back to the first four rules it's risky you will lose your capital and if i look at our portfolio okay mm. only about say 30% of the portfolio actually make up for the rest of them and about 15 to 20% will go to zero you can do anything to zero so the other piece other skill set that an investor needs to have is to not bring anger in the room very tough and it's tougher to do if when your money is actually going down the drain we'll see companies where money is going down the drain now i think the newer conversations today is of found, uh, founder intentional fraud or founder intentional yeah. being used but yeah. i think that's a very small percentage of what there's of so many things that can go wrong and your money will go down that's what i'm saying it's not just might your money mm. will go down right that i i think these are three four things then of course you need to be reading all the time if you really want to do it you have to be reading all the time you need to be watching videos podcasts mm. learning stories of successful investors attend right. sessions yeah so like i said it's a craft it's a craft. of course you you speaking about what makes a good investor and you said something very interesting which is of course there's the role of knowledge but you also need to know if or not this little thing that these couple of people are doing is likely to take off or not that's yes. likely to happen if you have enough experience likely in the sector so let's say if i've been working in the media sector for 10 years i am more likely to invest in media startups because i just understand the domain what has your experience been i think uh, as an individual investor you should diversify i don't think you should uh, only in in the larger uh, investment space there is this mm -hmm. whole rule of saying invest only what you understand yeah here i think there is maybe some part you say yes and like if i'm from logistics if i understand logistics and if there's a logistics company and my i can see this will not work then yeah. i have to view but sometimes you will have to go with the views of others you will have to start building your intuition on what potentially has some other other boxes ticked even if you don't understand the core business because i don't think you can like i said either you are wanting to build a portfolio there you have to be sector agnostic so for us we actually identify our companies into what we call deep tech high tech enabled and consumer 
between those we are invested in some 25 to 30 sectors hmm. i'm not going to recommend to any investor to say only do deep tech or right. only consumer because you understand you have to go across and it's a mix of some you will understand like i said again let's look at a 50 company portfolio maybe of that about say 5 or 7 10 you really understand others you you understand little bit but your intuition says yeah this looks good but i will invest because others are investing so let's say when we speaking about volatile assets fundamentally as an asset class how is angel investing different from something like crypto given that there is a perception of high volatility in both sectors so look two things crypto is a derived asset right it doesn't have intrinsic value so it is like any currency where it is going to derive its value the same way any other currency moves yeah. you don't know how many people will actually buy in what is the value is there yeah. enough liquidity and it's a very liquid it's a thing yeah it's a derived value asset very different from the early stage venture space or startup space now startups mm. if i actually wanted to apply analogy so that you we actually grasp what we are dealing with mm-hmm. is a very very base thing of what happens in nature if you will take like a fistful of oak tree seeds and you just throw it mm-hmm. what is the potential of how many oak tree seeds will actually take actually catch the ground right and because that's where those terms come right seed and whatever right but how many of them will actually go into oaks oak tree seeds so these are hmm. real businesses being built hmm. the question is on saying how many of these efforts will actually translate into coming giants which right. is very different from crypto because of that i think actually startup startups are not it's not an industry a lot of right. times it's not an industry it is yeah. every business being built including yeah. crypto it's yeah. every business being built it's just a function of the state at which you're catching like i keep saying that we keep talking this number of india becoming a 10 trillion economy i think the number is 7 trillion by 2030 yeah my bet is that half of that will be built by companies that are not even born today right. so that's the that's what you're funding not a derived asset so two very different thing in terms of the risk matrix i am not a, a crypto investor like i invest but i'm not a very active crypto investor so in my head the risk is more on the crypto side i'm sure if you will ask a prolific crypto investor their their risk perception will be different just because they understand but yes both right. these assets need very deep understanding and somebody to do this day in day out breathing so like i would not be investing in this if i wasn't breathing this day in day out if i'm a first time investor how do things get streamlined for me if let's say i were to come to a fund or a network or a network like yours several things i think it's the full chain okay starting from the number of deals that you will see there is this in this at the stage where you invest in there is this concept called selection bias right which is basically saying how many companies are you actually seeing and how many are you liking out of that now if right. you see 10 mm. and you invest in 5 you know you are yeah. investing in those 5 because you've seen only 10 yeah whereas say for a platform like ours we see 500 deals a month mm. so just the sheer volume changes this thing 
and it's one is of course because we are a platform second is look today there is huge competition in the market just to fund founders also so if you're an individual investor why will somebody come to you right you know, unless you are like data and rajananandan you yeah. you to reach that uh, so that's number one second is just the curation that we would do or any other platform would do for example i mentioned the 500 number from that 500 our internal team brings that down to 20 so 2% mm-hmm. so you imagine you otherwise had to if you have to do it on your own mm. like we have a team of 22 people doing just this day in day out versus right. so that's the second piece the third is the stitching of the deal it's we think it's just valuation which is of course a big part which instrument what rights what documentation that whole piece what did you negotiate for etc etc that is the third piece that comes with our platform mm-hmm. then of course you know this like i mentioned earlier co-investing with other people so right. constantly jamming with other saying is this good not good etc etc mm. then of course monitoring of the portfolio so see like i mentioned beginning that if the minimum wait time for you to be able to exit is say 3 to 5 years minimum good yeah. ones take much longer how will you monitor all of this on your own yeah. this gets monitored by a platform also when the exits happen your rights that whole thing so basically when up with the platform all you're doing are two things one is you continuously keep enhancing your skill set in the asset class and secondly you just point and say i want to invest in this the rest got it for me which is Got and it. if you did this on your own even if you did this with say five friends mm-hmm. between the five of you you will have to do all this which means somebody has to be doing this full time so it's like a concierge service versus you DIYing it in your bedroom or what got it what's your take on this new trend of content creators turning investors see i think it's a thrasio kind of a model mm-hmm. right where and this is something that i've seen in different formats earlier also i've seen tech companies so if you're a software company you will start incubating or taking part in yeah. this in say 10 yeah. tech companies yeah same thing where you will then or if you are a larger consumer brand or if you have a marketing or a distribution strength in consumer you yeah. could get 10 consumer you could become this whole thing of people knowing how to cloud kitchen is a very yeah. is a thing where you say i have the space i have the understanding i yeah. will get these small it's the same thing the question is i always ask this question is saying do you really understand how to scale it or are you experimenting if you are experimenting it's better off to let you know let the founder do the experimentation with independent money mm. if you really want to do this you should have the platform ability to be able to get somebody to become 10x yeah in a much shorter span of time than they would do it on their own anything like otherwise it's it, i otherwise i don't think it can scale or make money and then also you should have the fundraising ability right you should have the ability to say okay i'm doing this i will come in a because i will come in you will have a brand appreciation and b i will be able to go and talk to the next investor come to mumbai angels and say listen i'm here can you raise money for this so you are actually going there and saying that i'm your multiplier if you don't got have it i don't think it makes sense got it and that sort of brings us 
to a very important question which is apart from the money what other x factor does an angel investor bring very interesting question because if you ask an angel investor with our investors or anybody one of the first things they'll say is we would like to mentor unfortunately if you talk to founders nobody yeah. wants to be mentored yeah so founders are looking for two very specific things one is the ability to raise money in the next rounds so are you do you have the ability to go out there and raise money for us and b do you have the ability to bring sales it's both connected to like i said the multiplier right an investor will add primary value only hmm. with these two things the secondary values okay there is a third one if you are a known name if you are a brand in your yeah. own right let's say kunal shah it's a name dropping yes, game yes yes so for example if you have that kind of a name either as an institution or an individual that also adds value beyond that i think this whole business of being able to work with the founder get them to understand pivot etc it's a very individual and a trust building exercise that happens over a period of time there are investors who reach that stage it's we need to know that it's an arduous and a trust building process it won't mm. just happen one day because you've put money in or you are on the board that's so either you bringing sales so you know distribution of some sorts or you're bringing in that name dropping ability the street cred that a founder can then potentially tout or you're helping them fundraise these are the three most tangible Primary. benefits there are cases i've seen with founders who are building something that they don't see to be highly scalable they see a capital requirement for let's say one cr to be able to hire a small team but they still realize that the market opportunity is not 10 billion dollars so in those sorts of cases does it make sense for a founder to even come to an angel given that they might not look to raise a round after that and they are just exclusively looking for that amount of money to be able to take off so two parts to the question one is i'm very clear you should never raise money till you actually need it mm. i know it's strange coming from me <laughs> but don't raise money till you really don't do it because you know it's not a pride thing it's not stars on your shoulder it's actually bringing in a very strong voice on the table mm. so be absolutely sure you want somebody sitting on the table and you might or might not get along with that person or more importantly your ethos and the investors ethos might not match so you should be very clear on by your ethos secondly this micro size thing no very interesting because we've actually been looking at this sector mm. i actually think that not all founders should aim to build billion dollar companies or right. 100 million funding right. not needed if you are say you have to figure out what's your skill set right if your skill set just think about it if your skill set is to be able to raise 100000 dollars okay and grow something which in 2 3 years can be sold for a million dollars right that's the outcome no what's the yeah. problem why are we so obsessed on saying we have to build big we have to no if maybe your skill set is a 0 to 10 and you will do this multiple times over yeah it's a fabulous space to be in you need to understand as a founder what your strengths are and if that is a thing if you're being able to put that thing out really boldly and very mm. clearly that look my 
aim is not to become a 100 crore valuation company my aim is to grow this to a 10 crore valuation and sell it right but your money is going to go in times 20 times in 3 years time fabulous outcome got it and last question nandini when is the right time to approach an angel it depends on who you want to approach okay so for example if you are looking to approach people that you know and who come from the segment then you can even go at the idea stage you can go at a pre mvp you can even go nowadays in india there are enough accelerators and incubators yeah. who are willing to come in at the pre revenue stage which i think is a very good development in the country so that's where you go with an idea or a pre mvp etc for platforms which are uh, sector agnostic larger platforms like say something like ours coming at a pre mvp for say a consumer product it won't fly because right we want to see say if it's a b2b it's a saas it's a platform marketplace content mm. any of these we would want you to have an mvp mvp with a very clear path on saying if you are going to raise it to cross with us mm. how long will it last and where will it get us so those are the two questions we are asking this was amazing nandini thank you so much for taking time out thank you thank you for having me here Thank you for tuning into the UN Cooperated podcast with me Sakit. Please follow, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share our episodes far and wide. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and sign up for our free UN Cooperated newsletter at signup.theuink.co. We have all the links in our show notes. See you on the next episode.